This programme was produced at and first aired on NPR, Manawatu People's Radio, with support from New Zealand On Air. Kapai Irarangi Tomotu, NPR. If you're a fan of NPR, listening to our podcasts and live stream has never been easier. Just search for accessmedia.nz on the App Store or Google Play and download the app with the Kiwi Fruit logo. Once you've got it, pick Manawatu People's Radio from the list of stations and go find your new favourite show. Hi and welcome to this week's show of Property Matters. I'm Greg Watson, fantastic having your company today here at MPR. We're going to be spending most of this programme actually talking about the market, sales market, lending, the credit control and, sorry, beg your pardon, credit contracts and Consumer Finance Act and so forth, just to look at how things are going, what's happening with the market and how it may affect you, depending on how you're living in New Zealand. For example, will it become harder to buy homes, easier? What might the government do next? As well as things like, will the market slow, stop, reverse, go sideways, backwards or upwards? So some of all of that sort of stuff in the show today. And just to put it in a little bit of context, we're going to start with an article from Susan Edmonds, this from late January. It says, prices rising at the fastest rate in three decades, we're copping it from all angles. So while the country has experienced next to no inflation for years, it has changed sharply in recent months as economists expect prices could have risen at an annual rate of around 6% in the year to December. In fact, we've seen that come out since this article was written, and it certainly was around that 6%. According to the Reserve Bank, they say the inflation dragon, which has been asleep for decades, has well and truly awoken. It was likely that the quarterly increase in December would be driven up by petrol prices, which are up 10.1% quarter on quarter, housing costs, recreational and culture costs, and a general disruption of the price of imported goods and services. The bad news for borrowers is that inflation usually leads to higher interest rates. The Reserve Bank is tasked with keeping inflation at the rate of about 2% and it usually moves to cool inflation by increasing the official cash rate. That in turn means uh, affecting of mortgages, of course. The ANZ said aggressive action would be needed this time for inflation to be tamed and that the cash rate could hit 3% by early next year. The last time the rate was at 3% in 2015, a two-year fixed home loan rates were about 6%. So ASP economists said they've pushed up their forecasts, expecting inflation would peak at 6.3% early this year before cooling to 3% by the second half of 2023. Risks around our fourth quarter pick are tilted to the upside and we see the risk of high inflation being more persistent, potentially threatening the Reserve Bank's inflation mandate and prompting a more aggressive path of OCR tightening. Even Kiwi Bank economists said they expected the annual rate to come in at 6.2%, a level that hadn't been reached since 1990. Energy prices surged late in 2021 with petrol prices in the uptrend. I'm sure you've noticed that if you've been to the service station lately. A solid 5.5% quarterly rise is expected for transport prices overall. The December quarter is also expected to see decent housing-related inflation as the demand for housing remains strong as consents for new builds continue to reach new highs. This is just putting it in a little bit of context for you. 
Disruption to the supply chains was also leading to problems with the goods coming from overseas, they said. And Chief Economist Jared Kerr said there'd been a dramatic increase in the cost of shipping. It's up about five times. So firms are finding it costlier to move goods from the ports to the stores. But in an environment of high demand, firms have been able to pass these high costs on to consumers. The December quarter is expected to see strong price rises for imported goods, including clothing and footwear, household contents, miscellaneous goods and services. So it's pretty random, uh, some of these pricing. And I, th- I think if you go to a supermarket, we're in this funny situation where some things that you buy are uh, incredibly cheap. I'm a huge avocado fan, so enjoying things at the moment. However, other things really expensive indeed, particularly those that are coming from offshore. So let's look at this idea that inflation's going to go up, that the OFC, uh, sorry, the official cash rate, the OCR, I should say, is likely to go up. And this article from Gerard and Can from late January says New Zealand home loan borrowers face doubled interest as 60% of mortgages are up for renewal. You see, when mortgage rates are really low and you can manage those payments, a change of a small percentage actually has a big effect on your relative ability to make those payments. For example, uh, a huge amount of money borrowed at 2%. uh, If that then goes up 4%, you're paying double the interest. Scary thought indeed. This says that roughly 60% of home loans will need to be refinanced in the next year. I think some miners. And for many borrowers, that will mean the interest rate's doubling, according to CoreLogic's latest property market and economic update. CoreLogic Chief Property Economist Kelvin Davidson said during the middle of last year, fixed interest rates were between 2% and 2.5%. And by mid-2022, they'll probably be between 4% and 5%. With fixed-term periods generally evenly spread throughout the year, Davidson said as much as 20% of fixed-term borrowers could be hit by that doubling as well as those on floating rates. Davidson said the change in interest rates could have a significant impact on household budgets. This would be another factor reigning in house prices or even contributing to house price falls. Some might say the interest rates Kiwis were facing were still relatively low, and historically speaking, but the change in financial burden would be compared to last year, not further back. So just going back to the comment I made, uh, if you had borrowed a million dollars at 2%, that's uh, $20,000 Repayments if you're just paying the interest alone uh, compared to 40000 um, at 4%. If I've done those maths wrong, I apologise, but that's the general, general impact that it'll have across households. Financial advisor Hannah McCreen said the rapid interest rise was concerning given most borrowers, borrowers were not good at saving unless they're in lockdowns or looking at their finances in a longer-term context. She said most would not be practising the behaviours they would need to navigate the choppy waters we're about to enter and when the crunch came they may either be forced to take on shorter term loans or cut discretionary spending quickly, possibly hurting the economy. McQueen said after working with economists she predicted interest rates to rise 1% per year, possibly for the next three years before they settle at 5 to 5.5%. She did not expect higher mortgage interest rates to directly result in many people selling their homes, but the financial stress could lead to relationship breakdowns, which could lead to some selling. She says, I do think people will start to sell, but it's probably a year or two away as opposed to immediately because you can buy yourself time in the first instance. You can defer debt and take on short-term debt. 
But fears over interest rate hikes have resulted in homeowners increasingly locking in longer-term fixed rates. The fears may be justified with ANZ economists now predicting the official cash rate of 3% by April next year. And that trajectory was predicted to result in the return of 6% floating home interest rate by September. So the one- and two-year fixed rates were also projected to hit 46 and 49 respectively in, in the same time frame. So uh, that's fed into the ANZ's expectations of a 7% fall in house prices over 2022. I think that's actually a bit dramatic, but we'll see how, how that goes. And particularly um, one or two market is, is somewhat insulated because of the huge amount of people um, moving here. But CoreLogic's report does highlight the impact of the runaway property market with the total value of residential real estate reaching $1.72 trillion at the end of last year. That was 27% above the total value of all residential property at the end of 2020 when the market was $1.35 trillion. And, and roughly a fifth of that $1.72 trillion is made up of mortgage debt. He cautioned that despite seeming quite sound at the headline level, household debt was high relative to income. To some extent, that debt has only been sustainable recently because of how low mortgage rates are. However, the OCR increases and rising home loan interest rates mean households are going to have to adjust their finances fairly quickly to ensure they stay on an even keel with the lending environment changing for everyone. The owner-occupiers now face a much smaller availability of low deposit loans, while the Triple CFA, that's the Credit Contracts and Consumer Finance Act, regulations have caused far more disruption than expected. Credit reporting agency Centrix data showed the number of home loans being issued a month dropped by nearly a quarter, that's 23%, after that act came into effect. And that has had uh, really quite an impact indeed because the reason this is important is that the banks have to show they're taking all steps to do more reasonable lending. Uh, not just the banks, it's all lenders. In fact, it was bought in place to deal with the likes of loan sharks uh, lending with incredibly high interest rates, knowing um, anecdotally that people couldn't pay it back. So that's where, uh, unfortunately, they've made a law which affects everybody, and that includes the banks, making it uh, rather difficult now to lend to get what you want. There's been a number of examples here locally in Palms North of people who could lend about 1.3 million prior to that change, who are now having settled for seven or eight hundred thousand, um, having the rug pulled out from under them. So, will this have an effect on the market? Uh, possibly, although again, our median house price here is somewhat lower, so we, we will be somewhat insulated from that compared to areas where the prices are much higher, uh, like Auckland and Wellington. So this article goes on to talk about how they feel it's shifting to a buyer's market. So CoreLogic data also showed the demand-supply imbalance was changing, with more properties appearing on the market even as fewer people were buying, suggesting a shift to a buyer's market. Certainly been a big upsurge of listings here in Manawatu. And Kelvin Davidson says that they suspect by mid-2022 the balance of power could tip towards buyers. Again, I don't think that will happen here. And that's uh, because of the market reacting to previous mortgage rate increases and previous changes to the lending and tax rules. He gives the example of Wellington Dunedin seeing listings rise quite noticeably and that's where um, the 
if um, there aren't enough people buying, of course, the prices drop as well. There have had to be some price adjustments for people who have listed at an extremely busy market and then it's turned quite quickly. In terms of investors, CoreLogic's buyer classification series showed that in the last three months of the last year, investors uh, raised their share of purchases modestly from 24 to 25%, but that was down from the first quarter where they made up 29% of the market. He says it's clear that mortgaged investors' appetite to purchase property has waned, although they will no doubt be eyeing up new builds because the, clearly the LVR and tax system now incentivise both owner-occupiers and investors to seriously consider a new build purchase. And this should give develop, developers confidence to keep building more houses. And that, of course, was part of the plan of the government to get more properties built. However, the building industry is red hot and the costs are quickly rising. So even despite solid demand, it's probable that we may see new dwelling consents tail off a bit this year as the cost to build gets too high for some households. Uh, the Omicron Omicron effect, excuse me, he said as a wild card in projections for the housing market. Uh, the recent move to red is a clear signal that COVID's disruption is not done yet, while that may cause some turbulent times in the New Zealand economy and property market in the months ahead. So quite a long article there and uh, that's some pretty heavy stuff. So we might actually go to a little bit of music now. <laughs> we'll come back after the break. This is Hosier and Take Me to Church. My lover's got humour She's the giggle at a funeral Knows everybody's disapproval I should have worshipped her sooner If the heavens ever did speak She's the last true mouthpiece Every Sunday's getting more bleak Fresh poison each week We were born sick You heard them say it My church offers no absolutes She tells me worship in the bedroom Heaven I'll be sent to is when I'm alone with you. I was born sick, but I love it. Command me to be well. Amen. 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 Take me to church.
Take me to church here on Property Matters on NPR, Manawatu People's Radio, Te Reo Irirangi o Nga Tangata o Manawatu. So I'm Greg Watson, lovely having your company. We're just going to continue a little bit more with the, with the market and what's happening and how it might affect you. So there was an article from landlords.co.nz uh, very recently that says cracks appearing in the housing market. Now while I'm not going to read that in depth, it is also interesting that they comment here by the Real Estate Institute of New Zealand Chief Executive Jen Baird, who says there are signs of deceleration in the annual price growth of houses compared to previous months. So while the market remains confident, the impact of rising interest rates, tighter lending criteria and changes to investor taxation restrictions are starting to shift dynamics. She says that uh, she talks again about the Triple CFA Act and... She says, over this year, the impact of these changes and anticipation of further interest rate increases are likely to play out in the market, leading to a gradual slowdown in the price pace of price growth. So what she's saying is not the market's going to drop, it's just not going to go up so much. So just by way of reminder, the median prices for residential property across New Zealand in the last year increased 21.5% from 745000 in December 2020 to 905000 in December last year. Pretty amazing, really. And Manawatu Wanganui actually increased 23.2% annually from 525000 to 647000 which is a record median high. So what does that mean? It means that that 23% may reduce a bit according to the Real Estate Institute of New Zealand, but it will still be going up. Number of sales across the country dropped almost 30% annually, uh, although that's starting to pick up again now. Um, The drop means that people were largely holding on to properties rather than selling them because they were gaining in value so much. The other thing that's worthy of mentioning is that listing levels are now up. The number of properties for sale increased almost 30% annually in the last year. So that's uh, quite a change indeed. Uh, it was extremely hard to find any properties around this area, Manawatu, Wanganui in general, and that covers even the areas like Martin, Bulls, Fielding, Wanganui, Palmas North and so forth. So where is this in the general context of things and is New Zealand really particularly hard done by? Well, this article by Miriam Bell recently says New Zealand's runaway housing market is not unique globally. 
So as you know, we've, we've had an unprecedented housing market boom over the last couple of years, but most countries are experiencing similar issues. High demand for housing coupled with limited supply, rapidly escalating prices and affordability issues are causing concern around the world. So the latest Knight Frank Global House Price Index shows New Zealand prices have increased the fastest over the last five years. 48% of the countries monitored had annual price increases over 10%, and that's up from 13% before the pandemic. So the top 10 ranked countries for, uh, I guess, the... um, the housing demand, etc. New Zealand, Australia, United States and Canada all had annual price increases of over 15%. But many cities had even bigger increases. The top 25 in Knight Frank City Index all had increases over 20%. Wellington and Auckland were among them, but so were three cities in Canada, four in Australia, including Sydney, and five in the US. Knight Frank researcher Kate Everett Allen says prices have been pushed higher by government stimulus, savings accrued during lockdowns and pandemic-induced reassessment of lifestyles and low interest rates. So housing prices everywhere will continue to go up until new supply meets demand. When the ability to build more houses comes in and supply increases, demand will ease, rents will go down and prices will normalise, according to the New Zealand Initiative Chief Economist Dr Eric Crampton. He says supply chains are a mess globally. In many places it's become harder to get houses up. That's holding up development. And in some places, like San Francisco, the issues are even harder to address because of restrictive planning regulations. Australia, which is, uh, of course, being the trans-Tasman neighbour and the country that affects most Kiwi migrants, has the market New Zealand is most frequently compared to. The Sydney and Melbourne markets tend to drive the broader market and dominate headlines, as Auckland and Wellington do, so some similarities there. And other city or regional markets follow, experiencing halo effects from bigger markets. So as the New Zealand markets have had astronomical price increases, so has Australia. And and, uh, that's where the national median value in Australia has increased by 22.1%, not too far from our national average of 27.6%. Uh, and that's where, um, although real estate institutes figures push the national median price up 21%, so very, very similar indeed. So really it is a problem that's happening in, in a number of places indeed, uh, even in um, Britain for example. It hasn't skyrocketed but it's still gone up 10% in the last 12 months, so amazing returns on property in terms of uh, where things are at. So what can you do? Well, traditionally New Zealanders like bigger homes and a lot of space, and that means the housing stock is more standalone homes which are expensive to build and fit fewer people in. Only now is that beginning to change with the new planning rules and a drive to boost supply via densification. Uh, we're also a different, less compliant society and place greater value on private property rights than many of the European countries with populations closer to ours. Countries such as Sweden with 10 million and Austria with 9 million are often cited as housing markets for New Zealand to look at as inspiration. Sweden is mentioned for a successful government-sponsored construction programme with which it tackled an acute housing shortage from 1965 to 74. And while Austria has had government policies which actively support construction of homes for purchase and for renting in place for decades. In Austria this means supply is kept up with the need and that rental housing is plentiful and affordable. The home ownership rate is 55.4%. 
and New Zealand's is 64.5% at the time of the 2018 census. But even still, despite strong public housing and rental systems, European countries have not been immune to the global price boom. Again, in the Knight Frank Index, Sweden was ranked fourth with an annual price increase of 20.3% and Austria 27th with an increase of 10%. I've lived in Sweden myself for a period of time and and lived in the exact accommodation that they're talking about. Blocks of flats, sometimes uh, three to four storeys tall, sometimes maybe ten storeys tall, and they were just built en masse around about that time, perfectly comfortable, absolutely fine to live in, relatively low rent, um, some shared facilities in common areas. But it's such an unusual idea for New Zealanders that we have our trouble getting our heads around that. And at the time, that made a big difference. How much of that will happen here will wait to be seen. The Councils, a number of councils are now being more flexible on what's allowed to be built. Uh, speaking of thing, thinking, uh, things being built, that's another another tricky one indeed, as they mentioned with the supply problems, and uh, and even even getting a deposit into the market, the it is becoming very difficult indeed. So many are turning to the building process. It is taking a lot longer, and it is getting uh, somewhat dearer uh, to do so. And really it's just a, a case of uh, seeing, seeing how we go there. The uh, difficulty, again, just going back to what I was mentioning before, is that traditionally developers have earned the highest profit from four-bedroom, two-bathroom, double-garage-type homes. It's the biggest profit margin. So um, there needs to be a way and mechanism where council makes it more appealing or just as appealing for developers to be able to build multiple houses and still make money from it. It's really pretty important uh, given the housing need at the moment. In this region... We're short by quite a long way of the housing we need that's going to continue to see properties in demand. Uh, Will the increase in growth slow? Possibly a little in the next 12 months. If we went back 12 months, in the last 12 months it's gone up 27% and the year before that was very similar. So how long is it going to continue? Um, As I mentioned in today's show, there is writing on the wall that uh, things are going to slow. There are even some people predicting that house prices will drop back. Although when they normally predict that house prices will drop back, they're talking about the national market and areas with uh, very high debt on properties by homeowners are often those that get affected, particularly as the interest rates increase. So that's where the Auckland market, if that slows or drops, that then translates to the national figures saying that the market has dropped or is dropping because of the sheer volume. There are people who think the Auckland market will just stabilise. History tells us that there will be people who struggle indeed as these interest rates go up over the next year or two and they can fail to meet their obligations. Not a very happy note to end on, but nevertheless, that is the end of the show this week. You've been listening to Property Matters. I'm Greg Watson. You can find the show where all good podcasts are found or here on mpr.nz, Two People's Radio. And also if you just Google Greg Watson and Palmas North, you'll find your way to the shows or other material. So thanks very much for listening and we'll catch up with you next week. Support this show and others like it by giving a donation. 
For more information, go to www.mpr.nz forward slash donate.